Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tara and Andrew vs. the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. And this is our 35th part in our 3,726 part series, wherein we select a movie at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do some research, and tell you what we thought and learned. And the episode numbering is confusing, so this is going to be episode 35 part two, I guess. <laughs> yeah, kind we, of. We kind of. we kind of messed up when we did the, this episode last time. So, uh, yeah, this is still episode 35 for, for all logistical purposes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. In our last installment, we watched 2001 classic comedy, Joe Dirt. You know, I never thought these words would pass my lips, but uh, that movie could have used more Kid Rock. Yeah, I know. He was... <laughs> the high point of the movie in a lot of ways oh my god what's happening to us dark days dark, dark day, days dark days um, well it was, wasn't awful it wasn't the worst movie for sure no just it's i feel a little bit bad about rating it as low as i did eh, i mean kind of but i think you were right when you said that you know between your maybe don't watch and my eh, it's like it balances out yeah. to where we actually lie yeah for sure it's got problems it's a happy madison movie so just that kind of humor is not necessarily gonna hit home for everybody right or age super super well yeah i think it's hard with comedies especially because humor is so much more subjective than like any other kind of genre for movie i think yeah for sure so just because we felt like it was a combined cross between maybe don't watch and eh, you know you might get more out of it than we did Yep, definitely. So, this week it is Tara's turn to pick. Okay. The power of the good book compels me to choose a good movie. <laughs> Alright, right, I'm going to start flipping here. Just let stop. Stop. Alright, I got one. So we're going to be watching Electra, My Love. Okay. Uh, from 1975 by Miklos Yankcho. And uh, according to the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, it says, Transporting the myth of Electra to Hungary, this story picks up from the announcement, met with skepticism, on the death of Orestes. The film is mostly memorable for its intensely choreographed long takes of elaborate rituals rooted equally in religious ceremony and modern theater. Driven by these shots more than a narrative, the film looks like what would happen if Sergei Parajanov got into 10-minute tracking shots. Great. Oh, boy. Uh, consequently, the reportedly mind-blowing finale is hardly jarring after the oddities of the previous hour. Huh. All, all in all, the material ranges from disarmingly eerie to laughable. The latter can be blamed on the th- throngs of nude, swaying flower children. Wow. This, along with the now-dated theatrical modernisms in general, keep the film from being taken seriously, making it the least satisfying of the Ancho films I've seen. Cool. Well, hey, since we're not familiar with this director, at least we're starting off on the worst one. That's true. That's always... Uh, so if <laughs> Start with the shittiest movie, we right? say. Well, I mean, if we're, if we're somewhat entertained and, and intrigued, yeah. you know, by the shittiest one, that bodes well for the others. It does, yeah. Very, so. very true. And it sounds like it's got, you know, it's going to be like a bit of a mixed bag, but I'm kind of optimistic that it'll be at least entertaining. I don't know, like the last movie that I've seen from Hungary, if I've seen anything from Hungary even. Couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Interesting. 
Uh, anyway, we will be back after this musical interlude with our thoughts on Electro and I Love. Everybody, we are back having watched Electra, my love. What the hell did we just watch? Okay. <laughs> well, we watched a thing that is kind, kind of, of a movie d- because it was sort of movie length yeah. and it was visual. And it was on film. It was on film. Uh, uh, it was aired at, in the Cannes Film Festival in 1974, so therefore it's a film. Oh, Stanley disagrees. Podcat. Podcat. Yeah, so the the guy said that it was eerie. Uh, I didn't really get any eeriness out of it, necessarily. It was weird. Yeah. But that does not equate. Eerie. Eerie, yeah. Well, before we go any further, yeah. d- shall we do our pre-spoiler? Yeah, Jesus, okay. I, need I to know. Think about what I... <laughs> How to rate this? Yeah. So, on the count of three... I know, right? One, two, three. Maybe Maybe watch. watch. Hey! (laughs) It's a, I'd say, a very qualified maybe watch on my part, because I think a lot of people are not going to like this movie, possibly. I totally agree. This is not going to be up a lot of people's alleys. Yeah. It, I think, uh... It's not, like, textbook pretentiousness, but it definitely, it has, like, an art film feel to it, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure, and for sure. And you can tell that it's kind of, like, based in, like, theater yeah, a bit. Yeah. Like, a lot of different aspects of it, I'd say. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, it feels like a play. It feels like a play. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think there would be a shock to anybody if you saw it and you're like, oh, this was based on a play, like, yeah. No, we get it. It's based on a play that is, like, a reinterpretation kind of of the electro myth yeah. so it's not like a based off the myth itself it's uh i think the reinterpretation was like written by a playwright in 1968 yeah think, something like that saw. yeah but the director i think changed the ending right. in the film right. pretty dramatically as you were mentioning like the guide calls it eerie i wouldn't say eerie but what i kept thinking of when we were watching it was it was kind of like at least visually, like a weird mishmash of Wicker Man, Fiddler on the Roof, and like Hodorowski. Yeah, I can see uh, the Hodorowski vibe. That was yeah. definitely making that comparison too. It's not as weird. Like it's no uh, no no Holy Mountain, but for sure, for sure. And it's not like there's you know like Hodorowski. There's like a lot of often like vivid colors and like yeah. really dramatic scenery or whatever like or costuming and whatever but not so much in um in this movie it's really the set and the costuming and props are all really really minimal for the most part most people are dressed up like with one, traditional hunger yeah with one big exception one big exception yeah the, yeah very i mean i think that adds to the whole kind of theater play vibe too, it does too. but then i i think also we'll probably talk about it more but i think it was more 
just to do with what was going on in Hungary at the time mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Being under Soviet rule. Yeah. So let's just talk about the plot. I mean, I think, I feel like we always say the plot is really hard to discuss. Yeah, especially I because I don't think the movie was exactly chronological. There's really no sense of the scope of time. It's like both like extremely surreal and yet really, really kind of grounded in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it's what I was so... thinking. It's like a, a grounded Hodorowsky movie. Yeah. Like. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's the background, really, more than anything it else, is. I feel like. Yes. So, let's yeah, let's just run through the main plot points. So, the film starts off with Electra, and she and everybody around her is, like, engaged in these weird kind of rituals slash a celebration. The entire movie feels like, like a ritual. Yeah, well, say. there's a lot of weird rituals that happen in the movie. Or a lot of rituals that, you know, in some cases, maybe there is some cultural significance. Maybe not in mm-hmm. all cases. So Electra is sort of amid all these different um, ceremonies and rituals that are happening. And, and you come to realize that it's the anniversary of her father, Agamemnon, who, who was the king, being usurped. And he was uh, killed by Augustus, who in this version is his brother. If you're really familiar with the Greek myth, there's, you know, some things that are the same, some things are different or not even mentioned. So Augustus kills his brother, takes over the throne, and you, you come to realize that he's kind of a tyrannical ruler. And so everybody's engaged in all these ceremonies and rituals around him. But nobody really seems happy. They're all going through this stuff. And and he's clearly giving his version of history. And the people are going along with it. And Electra is like the one voice going, excuse me, that's not how things happen. And everybody's like, oh, we all know Electra's mad. Mad isn't crazy, not just Isn't like, crazy, not angry. Not, not, Which she was. Yeah, I mean. She was very angry. Rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah, and so her brother is... Uh, they say that he's off living far away and he's just is partaking in wine and women and drink and just ignoring... Those are the only things he cares about. Yeah, ignoring the fact that his father was murdered and that the throne has been taken over by this this tyrant. We see that uh, Augustus and his cronies are trying to spread the word that Arrestus has been killed uh, just to kind of, I guess, quell any hopes that the public might have had that, uh, that there would be some more legitimate heir to the throne i guess that could save them from him and in electra she was like wait a minute didn't last year when we were doing this ceremony didn't we say he was just missing and they're like the people will believe what we tell them like if we tell them that then it will be the truth essentially yeah one of the reasons i thought it was interesting but one of the the main points that they cite for uh for killing agamemnon was because he'd given the public freedom and liberty and, like, the the common man doesn't know what to do with, with freedom and liberty, so they can't be trusted with it. They can't be trusted with it, and at least this way, now they know what to fear. And people are happier when they know what they should be afraid of. And when you have freedom, I guess, it, everything is a potential, so therefore everything has the potential for good or bad, I suppose, is the, the theory there. So... Um, at least this way, it's like you're, you're, the scope of your life is very, very reduced. 
So that's what I guess this is stating anyway. That's his view on everything and or his way of how he's justifying his yeah. tyranny. I don't know. Never mind. I'm, uh, I'm putting a lot on him. Um, Take that out. There's no... <laughs> we're, like, we're reading way... Reading way too much into that. So they, they think that Orestes is dead. They get a messenger from Orestes's court, I guess, or his, somebody on his behalf who comes out and tells, uh, I guess, this, that... Uh, no, he's dead. He's definitely dead. So you know, I saw him die. Yeah. So... There's no more. You don't. He told me as he was dying that you should don't have to worry about anything like any challenges to your rule, and I guess this is like, oh, I wasn't worried, but okay, good. And then he's like happy, and he starts dancing. He's like, oh, that's great. There's a lot of dancing. There's movie. a lot of dancing, true. But I think from like, this was the first time. I guess this was dancing around. Yeah. He's like doing this joyful dance, <laughs> like running out into the fields. And that that's one other thing. And, <laughs> yeah, go back, go on. The entire movie is shot in a field, like on the plains. Yeah. Uh, and so there's like no real set to speak of. It's just like there's a couple of structures in the background, but nobody is like ever really inside of a building necessarily. Except right. from like a like building with foot high walls or something. Basically. Yeah, there's a couple structures. Um, there's one point where people are like standing on sort of like some planks of wood across one of these structures mm-hmm. up above people but otherwise it's like there's like a little hill and a bunch of fields with people and horses yeah so Orestes is out of the picture for sure they think now and Electra is not happy with this guy that came to deliver the message so she kills him She's like, I don't want to hear that news. Fuck you. Her motivation is like not entirely. It's not really clear, clear why she kills him. Yeah. So she does, and then I guess this is like, you know what? I hate to do this, but I think I'm gonna have to sentence you to death because you killed an innocent guy. But you have one chance if you tell the people the truth. Like, stop spouting all this nonsense. If you tell them what the truth is. You know, I can pardon you. And so she goes out amongst the people and starts saying, you know what? I guess this told me to come out and tell you guys the truth. So here it is. And she actually says. Yeah, I can actually read it because I wrote it down. Oh, you did? Okay. It's a pretty good scene. Yeah. So she, she goes out to this crowd of people and she's talking to them. In turn, kind of, she's going down this row, row by row. Uh, group of people and they're standing as she speaks to them and as she's walking past and she's saying like you prefer a life of lies to speaking the truth you've you've kissed the killer's feet where has it got you you've lied the stars down where has it got you you bought happiness and got terror where has it got you so it's like she's not sticking to the script that i guess this had wanted her to uh to get out there. And what was kind of really interesting in the scene, too, is, like, as she got closer to people, they started covering in their ears, like, they were willfully not wanting to hear the truth because it was easier for them to just continue living their lives as is. Yeah. Basically, like, maintaining the status quo. Right. Um, so, I guess this is, like, this is not what I said you could do. This is, like, a bunch of BS. So, you know what? You're being sentenced to death still no pardoning and i guess this goes to the people and and says you know i really hate to do this she's my family she's my brother's daughter 
it really pains me, but the law is the law, and no, none of us are above the law. So Electra must die because she slayed this innocent man. Well, it turns out the man is alive again somehow. Yeah. And da 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 da, it's Orestes. Surprise! Surprise! Surprise upon surprise! Surprise like... upon surprise! Yeah. So Electra didn't murder him, or she did, and he came back to life somehow. Somehow. But in any case, it's Orestes and he's alive. And so Electra is just like super happy about that. And Orestes goes out and tells the people like, you know what? She's been telling you the truth. Let's get him. Let's get him. Oh my God. That There was that whole bit with the people before that. I think where, I guess this was giving the people an opportunity to tell their truths. And one was like, I've had the most wine I've ever had this year, and I had three children all because of you, and they're just like... Like hand-selected propaganda, basically, yeah, is what it Yeah, for sure. Like. So they're all, like, spouting off off these things that they're attributing to Aegisthus and his rule. They're, they're basically giving their testimony about how great Aegisthus's rule has been. Yeah. So yeah, great moment after this for Orestes to arrive they get against this they like kind of imprison him and get him up on that weird ball thing yeah so he's just like on this big stone ball surrounded by people and i don't know like there's a lot of symbolism in this movie there's a lot of symbolism i'm assuming there, there had to have been intent behind there but it's like yeah what is this supposed to well i kind of took it to mean like so he was like on this ball and he was struggling to stay on top of it so kind of, to me, it, it seemed more like it was him trying to keep a hold of his power. And so then the people knocked him off of it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, like he was he was trying to stay on it. There were like the women who were pushing the ball with him on top of it. And he was like trying to stay on it. Then they were like, okay, they let go. And... That's and... a better interpretation than mine, which was like, you oh. just saw a weird ball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> weird, it was weird. <laughs> I mean, we'd seen so many weird things at this point in the movie, so I'm just like, yeah, he's on a ball now, I guess. That's just what happens when, uh... <laughs> yep, he's just on a ball. Yep. He's just like... Just like you do. You know, yeah, just like you do. Get on a ball. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So, he, he's imprisoned, and then... I, I, I can't... There's a lot of, like, just back and forth about what they're gonna do with him, and then eventually, right. um, Orestes just takes him out, and... Shoots him. Shoots him, yeah. With a handgun. So, yeah, it's very, like, this is where the anachronistic part of the movie really ramps up, because he, he shoots him with a handgun, and then he and Electra. Everybody's dancing. Yeah. Um, they're like, yeah, we got rid of, I guess, this. Electra and Aristides are out dancing with the people, and th- it seems like this time, when the people are, are dancing, they're actually smiling. Like, it seems actually joyful this time. Right. And then, like, the camera's, like, zoomed way in on the two of them. Yeah. And, like, you see, like, from off screen, there's, like, this wind that's blowing their, their hair back really strong. Like, oh, that's a, that's a strong wind, I guess. And then, like, the camera keeps panning over. And you see that it's a helicopter. dun dun dun, dun. A fucking, like, big red helicopter. Bright red helicopter. Yeah. Or, like... Uh, okay, that's, uh, yeah. What the fuck is this movie even doing? Well, I can tell you how I interpret that, too. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not interpretations of it, <laughs> but, it, like, in, in the moment, you're just like... Whoa, what, what the hell? 
I mean, they, they kind of laid the groundwork for it with the, the handguns, but uh, yeah. yeah, helicopter is totally... Well, and then they start talking about the Phoenix, you know, dying each night, coming back, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So there's, like, this whole long piece about the Phoenix. And so at first I was like, oh, maybe it was easier for them to get a red helicopter than it was to get... Like, to, like, they didn't want to do special effects, obviously, so they just got, like, this red helicopter to stand in as the Phoenix, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, they just d- used what was available. And, I mean, and then, you know, I'm sure that might have been part of it. But, yeah, having read a bunch of other people's interpretations, I think it makes a lot more sense that it's, like, you've got this super old story of Electra and, like, power grab and, like, truth versus propaganda and then it's like, oh wait, whoops, everybody! Guess what? This still, this shit still goes down. Yeah. In modern times, we're not historians or of like very aware aware at all. I would say of what the situation was like in Hungary back then. Not not like super. We're not super on top of what was happening in Hungary in the early seventies. But the Soviets were fucking shit up there pretty. Oh bad yeah, at, yeah. From from what we garnered. Um, Kind of like as they fucked a lot of shit up. Yeah. Just in, in general. I think everybody... And it still. Most people agree. Yeah. So, like, the helicopter takes off with the two of them in it, and it flies around, and we're, they're, we're being read the, the story of the phoenix. And part of it is talking about how, like, the phoenix is killed, it dies every day, and it was reborn every day. And so there is this cyclical nature uh, to the story that is uh, kind of enacted when the helicopter lands back on the ground and then Orestes and, and Electra get back out. So it is kind of... Yeah. You're right. There, it is, there is definitely the link between the... They don't even call it the phoenix, really. They call it, what, the, the fire bird or something? The yeah, bird. the fire bird. Yeah, yeah, the fire bird. So that looks like the, the pretty literal interpretation of it. So what I was going to say about that is what's an interesting point to, to remember is... That the film was made under, you know, when Hungary was still under Soviet rule, mm-hmm. the money was all from the state. So it was very, very much like scrutinized by the Communist Party before it was released. And so he had to be pretty subtle, pretty subtle and symbolic to get the message across and, and still make it through the censors. Yeah. So. You know, I think that's partly why at the end it's just like, it seems really jarring in a sense to have like that handgun come out in the the helicopter. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was kind of really Miklos Jancho's way of saying, hey, Hungary, this is still happening, this is still happening like, and, a... and don't fall for the story. Um, we can do something about it. So, so anyway, the, the movie ends with the helicopter landing and them getting off and then a bunch of dancing and the, at the end. I would say that it's anticlimactic, but there's not really any Dr- like, rising action necessarily. No. It's so... There's no tension buildup. Yeah. It, it's an interesting movie, but... Yeah. yeah. It's... It's not like really... It's not like anything that we have seen recently, that is for sure. I think that right. is part of why it appeals to me. Yeah, agreed. So, Yancho, in general, like, as a director, I guess his films have been considered difficult, just on the whole, um, because he doesn't spell things out, and 
he believed that it was important to have ambiguity in the films because it made the viewer actively engage. And um, he, he really felt that traditional storylines led to passivity and escapism. I saw a quote from him directly that touches on that yeah. answer. He was saying that like, he, he wanted there to be some sense of evasion like in the, the plot. Like He didn't want you to grasp it and be like, this is what this is about. Yeah. He wanted it to be like feel like it was kind of just slipping away from you like like you had a really tenuous grasp on what was going on which you know i think is a fair point about like politics and and power in general (laughs) like but i think it really worked in his favor having this predilection for making films ambiguous and and Mm -hmm. wanting the viewers to actively participate because that helped him get past the censors um with that message so yeah, and I mean, I think it kind of speaks to his craftsmanship, in a sense, because, yeah. I mean, anybody can just fart out Joe Dirt. Right. But the amount of effort it took to make this yeah. and and have it, like, actually have some form of plot and have it get something across, yeah. um, I think it is really just showing just how skillful his direction was like you have all these people uh, like these huge long takes and all these people in the background doing all these synchronized movements and in rituals and like cracking whips in synchronous motion and just everything like choreography like getting everything lined up yeah and the camera work yeah like the amount of effort that must have taken Actually, getting it into place sounds like it was, you know, it took a lot of work. But then it seems like he was also kind of flying by the seat of his pants as well. Because right. I read something where, like, they, you know, each night before shooting, he and I think the cinematographer would, like, get together at night after shooting and just discuss casually. Not super casually, but just, you know, not set anything out specifically, but just kind of talk over how they wanted the next day's shooting to go and not yeah. have a... Uh, like play by play this is what the scene's gonna look like right which is really amazing um considering how well everything flowed and it seemed so intentional and in the way that the camera moves um i think that's really impressive just the how the camera moved around through all the action for such really long takes with so much going on and then i think i saw something about some improvisation happening too yeah it like with the acting, so yeah. Well, what I heard was that like the he had the actors like basically whisper their lines because his intention was to go in and have the actual recording of oh. the the audio like the like a proper spoken audio. lines, yeah. yeah, like dubbed in afterwards. Okay. And so I didn't pick up on that at all that it was dubbed. No. Watching it, did you? Because I saw something about him giving direction on a megaphone during filming mm-hmm. and like the actors having to work through that so that makes sense yeah so i think at, at the time that it was released they said that the movie consisted of like eight shots each of which being several minutes long after the fact after people have looked at the movie more closely it seems more like there's probably 12 shots in the entire movie but that's still pretty insane there's right next to no editing yeah it was edited within a day yeah that's nuts right and and especially considering how polished in a way like if you think about it it's not like 
I guess... You would, you'd think if something was edited in a day, you'd think, oh, it's slapdash or whatever. Those long shots, man, like, I just keep thinking, like, how did they do that without a ton of practice? Yeah, and it, it sounded like, I thought I saw somewhere that they really only had, like, maybe four or five takes of each right. shot. So I think that probably is where the improvisation yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah, but, like, all the background stuff. Like, those were yeah. just, all, all the extras were people just, like, taking the train in from Budapest every day. Right. And... So, like, you just, like, have these extras come in from from the city and just, like, do all this shit in the background. But I would have thought that all of the people, I mean, you know, apart from, like, you know, people just, like, riding around on horses going back and forth. Coordinating that, it must have, it's just, like, hard to... It's hard to fathom. It just, it's, like, this weird combination of stuff that seems kind of slapdash in a sense but also like really meticulously planned at the same time yeah different components of it so it's just i think that is really one of the reasons why it struck me as being i don't know it's not like any other movie you're you've seen most likely it's not like any movie you've seen either (laughs) no no no. i just i meant like the you like every the royal the world the (laughs) The royal you you. yeah (laughs) hey you (laughs) including myself yeah (laughs) i'm including myself in that you right Yeah. It's It's not, I I just mean to say, like, this is not, like, almost any other movie out there. Right, yeah, I I get it. Yeah. (laughs) The the shots are all super long. One of the things that I saw, I don't know necessarily that it was in reference to this movie, because he had kind of a tendency to have really long shots in his movies. Yeah. Uh, So there, there was a quote that I found from him from later on. Where he was talking about uh, using long takes because he really wanted films without cuts. And this was back in the 70s when that had not been done a whole lot. I mean, I guess Rope, Alfred Hitchcock, that was yeah. like two takes, I think, or two shots. But I don't know of any many other movies from then or before then that were just made with as few. Well, and I think part of it is the technology. Like, I saw something about Yancha saying... You know, part of the reason he was able to do it is because the technology had gotten to a point where you could actually continue filming mm-hmm. for such a long period of time. So that's part of it. So yeah, I mean, the quote that I was looking at from him said that he wanted films without cuts, and the, the reasoning for that was because he said that he was like inept at cutting. He hated flashbacks, hated empty passages, and hated cuts. And so, like, each shot was basically... The length of the maximum length that he could take with the camera pretty much or as close to it as he could like with the technology at the time like if the camera could shoot for 10 minutes at a time he was going to do his damnedest to make sure that shot that he was doing took 10 minutes current technology if he'd had that back when he was making these like yeah yeah no, <laughs> he could there, have there, almost it, done it, it in one yeah. as long as everybody was able to keep it going for the full length yeah. you know Without fucking up something. There were quite a few great lines in the movie that I wanted to write down. Like, I was born to disturb man's peace. Yeah. <laughs> they could burn his eyes, but not his gaze. There, you know. there are a lot of amazing quotes. And, you know, like the guide says, there are some bits that are a little bit laughable. Yeah, I Not mean, too much, but... Yeah, uh, I didn't... I mean, I wouldn't say laughable, you know, we're, we're coming at it from a different angle because we, like, read up about how it was made and stuff. So I think that makes us look at it 
differently than somebody right. just going in blind would necessarily. And I yeah. Think, like, I was struggling with whether to give it, like, the the maybe watch or, or knock don't. it down a peg. Or, yeah. Just because down. I really don't know how people would react. That's true. But you're the one who taught me to rate the movie based yeah. on how you feel about yeah. it. You yeah. can't think about what everybody else is going to think. And you also, you can't... Uh, rate things based off of like how you rated other things so i'm like well if i gave this an ad that would mean that i thought it was as good as joe dirt i'm like no no that's not what I... <laughs> I know i've i've tried i've i've caught myself thinking that too yeah it's like it's, it's you have to look at each thing separately somehow right yeah it's not the mystery science theater laser blast leonard Maltin right. rating scale <laughs> like it, it's a pretty great bit in like an episode of mystery science theater where at the end of the movie they're talking about how leonard malden had given this really horrible science fiction movie two stars and then they're <laughs> looking at the movie guide and saying like well he gave et two and a half stars et is only slightly better than laser blast <laughs> it's like, no, it's, uh, not. <laughs> you, can't, you can't look at it like that you have to take it like each film on an individual basis you do I have to like you have to, I have to kind of like force myself to, to remember to remember that. laser blast yeah remember laser blast never forget laser blast <laughs> um, get that tattooed on your your palm yeah never forget laser blast yeah uh, thank, thank god thank god for laser blast <laughs> but yeah i mean it's it's really hard because you know like i feel in some ways you know it kind of comes back to what's the whole purpose of this podcast are we doing- <laughs> i don't fucking know <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, like, the whole idea of, like, are we trying to tell people things that they should watch? Or, like, like, hey, people, like, you would like this movie. No, I don't think that's what we're doing it for. No. We're doing it... For, for ourselves. <laughs> for, we're trying to, like, expose ourselves to new stuff and bring and, everybody along for the journey. Yeah. It's, it's not like... Right. It's not like we're telling everybody that that they're going to like things or not. Because, yeah. I mean, that'd be preposterous. We couldn't do that anyway. Like, everybody's so different. Yeah. So, you know, it, it feels really kind of weird and self-serving to be like, we're making this for ourselves. But we are. I mean, we're, we're doing it because like, we like doing it. I we mean, like doing not, it, yeah. I think when it comes to, like, movie podcasts, there's so many of them out there. You're not, yeah. like, listening to movie podcasts to be like, oh, let me find out, you know. No. You're, you're listening to it to hear what the people on the podcast are saying about a movie, not necessarily like, yeah, get exactly. ideas of, you know, if you hear them talk about a movie, you're like, oh, that sounds interesting, and you want to watch it as a result, then cool. You know, that, that's cool, but not, that's not what we're out here to do. And, I mean, I think that just, like, would fly in the face of what this podcast does. I mean, yeah. we're picking movies at random. We're not selecting movies that we think are, oh, people need to see this. We're like, well, yeah. let's fucking, let's a grab bag. Let's see what we get. Well, it's totally a grab bag, but that doesn't mean that we also have to grade things based on what anybody else would think about the movie apart from yeah. ourselves. Yeah, and I, I don't. So I, I, I struggled with that for a while at the, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's ultimately why I said maybe watch rather than add. For sure. Is because I'm like, no, I mean, this is how I feel about the movie yeah so. agreed fuck you if you don't like it fuck you fuck you keep listening <laughs> fuck you and subscribe <laughs> so yeah we we both liked electra my love we both we definitely both like the movie your mileage may vary as with anything but this especially so like we have very eclectic <laughs> eclectic tastes i think when it comes to something like this like it's so hard to make anything unique 
or anything that like is truly you can't really compare it compare it to anything else like mm-hmm. you know i tried and i think that's kind of as close as i could get it visually is like comparing those three really weird yeah i mean <laughs> comparing it comparing something to like alejandro Hodorowski, whose movies are themselves fucking insane yeah like i mean that if you can mix that with fiddler on the roof yeah <laughs> um <laughs> that, that tells you what we like so <laughs> we're running out of steam so fast here <laughs> we have our windows closed and it's quickly filling up with heat in our apartment yeah to be fair so we're losing consciousness right we got four more hours of video games to play tonight yeah so it's, at least yeah um so you can always uh find our episodes on google play or itunes or apple podcasts whatever it's calling itself now so you can subscribe there and get the new episodes when they come out every other tuesday you can also uh, take a look at our website and see the show notes and links to other episodes of Lock Up Abroad that we feel are mandatory viewing. Um, it's a long list. Yeah, there's. A, it's got to get actually be a separate website. Taryn Andrews Lock Up Abroad picks. So TarynAndrewVerses uh, dot com. Uh, you can shoot us email if you have any feedback, comments, suggestions for movies you think we might like. Uh, that's TarynAndrewVerses at gmail dot com. Um, and then we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. So you can keep in touch with us there as well. Yep. We would love to hear from you. I would like to say thank you to the fantastic Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Thank you, Boat. Thank you, Boat. And, uh, of course, we would like to encourage you all to support your local independent video stores. Uh, if you're in the Seattle area, Starcrow Video. Go in there and tell them Tara and Andrew sent you. And, then, <laughs> and they'll scratch their heads and, and be like, like what? what? <laughs> uh, and just get more and more insistent. You know. You know what, what I'm talking about. You're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to really work just, on it. Yeah, it may take you 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> so just wink a lot. You're like, you know, right? Uh? 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 uh no. Don't, don't do that. Please do not associate us with any weird weird harassment of the staff yeah. the fine people at scarecrow video right. please don't harass them please don't but do give them money you know uh, independent video stores are a, a dying breed they could use their supports they could use your support they could use their own support, they, their own support. <laughs> they could just like get crutches and they could just walk around and, and be like, like give you know what their own pull yourselves back. up by your bootstraps guys yeah, come on <laughs> Ayn Rand, her, ever heard of her? <laughs> don't sound like you do. <laughs> Crack a movie cover much? <laughs> <laughs> Crack a copy of Atlas Shrugged Parts 1 and 2 and 3 much? Don't sound like you do. <laughs> but yeah, they, they uh, could use your support. And yeah, they, you know, there's not many of them out there anymore. And if you're not in the Seattle area, there are not as good, but still very, I'm sure, very fine independent video stories that you can uh, support. We've got to wrap this up. Yes. Like, totally. We're losing our minds. Too. We are totally so, losing our minds. Uh, until next time, catch, catch you, you later, later potato, potato heads. heads.